What are the habits that are gonna help you live longer and healthier? How can you set you and your family up for success nutritionally each week? And how can you lose body fat without counting calories and macros? This is the Best You Podcast. My name is Nick Carrier, and I'm an entrepreneur and fitness trainer who has coached over 500 people through my program, The 10-Week Transformation. My mission is to make living a healthy lifestyle simple so you can look and feel like your best you. Today, we're giving you guys the best of 2023. We're going to give you the most popular clips from our most popular episodes of this year. First, you're going to hear from Gary Brecka. Gary is the co-founder and chief human biologist at 10X Health, who's helped thousands of people implement the right routines to optimize their biology. You're going to hear from him about simple habits that will allow you to live longer and healthier, like grounding, breath work, and getting sunlight. Then you're going to hear from Lindsay Baumgren. She's a busy parent of three and the creator of Nourish Move Love, which is an online fitness brand that has changed thousands upon thousands of lives. From her, you're going to hear about how she sets herself and her family up for success nutritionally each week. And then lastly, you're going to hear from Nick Shaw. Nick is a professional bodybuilder and the CEO and co-founder of the well-known company Renaissance Periodization. And he's going to talk you through about how you can lose 5 to 15 pounds of body fat without having to track your calories or your macros. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you hit the follow button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit subscribe. For now, it's time for the best of 2023. But I just want to start high level. What are some healthy habits that people need to be doing on a daily and healthy basis to be more energetic and set themselves up for a longer, healthier life? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, it's interesting, um, you know, as I travel the world and I meet some of the top PhDs and clinical researchers and MDs in the space of longevity, anti-aging, you know, bio-optimization, it's it's astounding to me how um, all of this research has come full circle and it's all getting back to the basics. You know, it reminds me, of, I, I had a 22-year career as a mortality expert for uh, the life insurance industry, which meant that if I got 10 years of medical records on you and 10 years of demographic data, we could tell the insurance company how long you had to live uh, to the month. And the fascinating thing about what was limiting people from living longer, healthier, happier lives um, were what we called modifiable risk factors. Um, and they were a category of two things, changes that they could make to their lifestyle, um, their diet, their daily habits, or changes to make what they could make to how they were taking prescription medication or supplementation. And it would have had a demonstrative effect on the number of years they had left on earth, but more importantly, on their health span. And what I mean about things getting back to the basics is, you know, it can be a very scary place uh, to get out on uh, Instagram or TikTok right now and and listen to health advice from qualified people because, you know, one's telling you vegetables are going to kill you. One's telling you meat's going to kill you. One's telling you that, um, you know, your supplementation is full of, you know, heavy metals. And another one's telling you if you drink tap water, you're going to die. Um, so the truth is that, you know, when, when we look at what really creates optimal human beings, it's, it really is the basics. I mean, God gave us everything that we need to thrive and aging is just the aggressive pursuit of comfort. You know, we so aggressively pursue comfort that we accelerate our aging. And so, you know, three basics that we've gotten way far away from in humanity and mankind just because of the nature of how we live are the three biggest things that we get from Mother Nature. 
you know, right outside this door, you, you get three benefits. You get magnetism from the earth, you get oxygen from the air, and you get light from the sun. You know, we were really meant to spend more than 85% of our time outdoors. And we spend more than 95% of our time indoors. And so, um, you know, when you when we see what do we actually get from Mother Earth? Well, first we get magnetism from the earth. Think about the last time that you had bare feet touching bare soil. I mean, like dirt, grass, sand. That was the last time that you discharged into the earth. You know, the, the earth is a, is a grounding force. And earthing and grounding is a very real thing. And it will cost you absolutely zero. You know, I sell a $5,000 PEMF mat. In fact, I just got off of it. Um, and you could spend five grand on a PEMF mat and put this sophisticated device in your bed and mimic the 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 Earth's um, low Gauss current. Or you could take your shoes off and you could touch the surface of the Earth because we know that the pH range of the body is very narrow. And But the closer we are to the alkaline range, the less hospitable we are to disease. And pathologies of all kinds. You may have heard cancer cannot survive in an alkaline environment. So it makes us alkaline. Well, it's certainly not drinking alkaline water, right? That was the biggest marketing myth ever sold to the public. Um, you know, you cannot change the pH of the body by putting alkaline water um, through first pass metabolism. But you can change the pH, the potential hydrogen, the charge in the body by contacting the surface of the earth. And so what happens when you earth or you ground? is you instantly change the um, the low Gauss current in the body. And what happens is cells all throughout your, your system, especially your red blood cells, go from being attracted to each other and sticking together to being repelled from one another and free floating. And just like taking a, a, a roll of quarters and looking at the surface area, and then taking that roll of quarters and throwing it on the ground, and when it splatters open, look at the increase in surface area, all those surfaces from those quarters. The same thing happens in the bloodstream. When cells coagulate, and I'm not talking about a blood clot, I'm talking about just clump up because they're, they have opposing charges, then we lose all that surface area to exchange with the outside environment, eliminate waste, repair, detoxify, and regenerate. So by contacting the surface of the earth or using a PMF mat, this would be my first step, six to 15 minutes a day. That's it. Um, just contacting the surface of the earth. And then the second is oxygen, right? I use something called a hypermax oxygen system. Um, also costs five grand. You could get the same benefit by learning how to do um, breath work. Um, there is an eight minute breath work routine that I do every morning like clockwork. Um, I'm so committed to it. I haven't missed once in 38 straight months. Um, I would miss a commercial flight to not miss breath work um, because, you know, the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. You know, if I was to boil my entire 22 year career down in the life settlement, I mean, in the uh, life insurance space, the mortality space, it would be that statement. The presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. I defy anyone to find a single disease etiological pathway from Parkinson's to Alzheimer's to dementia to type 2 diabetes to psychiatric disorders that do not have their roots in a deficiency of blood oxygen or are not exacerbated by deficiency in blood oxygen. So it takes eight minutes. You know, I do uh, three rounds of 30 breaths. I didn't invent the breath work. It's a Wim Hof uh, style of breath work. He's the father of breath work. Um, in fact, there's a fascinating documentary on Netflix called The Iceman. If you ever really want to see the true power of learning to change the oxygen tension in your tissues. 
But if I told you that you, you had that there was a um, you know a pill that in eight minutes could elevate your mood, improve your emotional state, rid the body of waste and toxins, increase your energy, improve red blood cell concentration, improve the um, the motility in the digestive tract, um, and that it would last seven to nine hours, you'd be like, that's amazing. That's exactly what breathwork offers us. So I did three rounds of 30 really deep, intense breaths. And on my on my 30th exhale, I hold my breath as long as I can. Remember that contrary to popular belief, nitric oxide is not the main vasodilator in the body. Carbon dioxide is. In fact, nitric uh, nitric oxide and all the nitric oxide supplements are absolutely terrible for you. They actually destroy your mitochondria. But um, but if I can put a voluminous amount of oxygen into my bloodstream and then exhale and allow carbon dioxide to build up. I will not only get a very positive vasodilation, but all those cells begin to scream for oxygen. When you restart your breath work, that oxygen leaves the blood and enters the tissues. It's called the change in oxygen tension. You get lightheaded, that's a great sign. Your fingers and toes tingle, that's a great sign. Um, And I would start at five or 10 breaths and work my way up to three rounds of 30 breaths. And then the last thing is light. Um, again, I manufacture a red light therapy bed. I'd love to sell all your listeners a red light therapy bed. Um, the truth is that'll set you back $120,000 or you can go right outside for zero, take your shirt off. If you're a woman, just a sports bra and, and shorts. And when you're doing your breath work, expose your body to natural sunlight. You know, the safest time to do this is the first 45 minutes of the day. We call it first light. There's a voluminous amount of healthy blue light, not the blue light like you get from your screen and your phone. Um, There's no UVA or UVB damaging rays to age the skin. But interestingly, the wavelengths of light that pass through the skin and help the body convert cholesterol into vitamin D3, the single most important nutrient in the human body, those um, are, are readily prevalent in first light. So if I was to say, I don't have a penny to spend on biohacking and I want to do most that I could do permanently change the trajectory of my life. I would do grounding, breath work, and expose my skin to first light in the morning. Those three things. Yeah, for sure. I feel like oftentimes people don't associate with what they do in the gym with the things that they're doing in everyday life. And they think like, I've just always picked up a 15 pound dumbbell and I've never picked up a 25, 30, 35, 40, whatever it is. And so it just seems like a foreign, foreign thing to do. Um, I'm, I'm curious to dive into the nutri- your nutrition side of things, how you kind of set yourself up for success each week nutritionally. So I guess go through some of those habits that you do to set yourself up for success nutritionally. Is it okay? And I go grocery shopping. I come up with kind of a meal plan for the week or none of that? Like what, what What exactly do you do to set yourself up for success nutritionally, both for yourself and for the rest of your family? Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, again, it ebbs and flows in all seasons of life, but kind of something that has stuck with me or been an underlying current. I'm really fortunate before I ever had babies, I was really big into meal prep. I did fitness competitions for an era of my life and that will teach you how to meal prep because you have to make, you know, 10 chicken breasts at a time, 10 pieces of tilapia. Like my diet was like tilapia, asparagus, half a grapefruit. It was like so dialed in um, when I was in that fitness competition space, but that taught me how to meal prep and something I'm really grateful for because I just know meal prep sets you up for success, right? 
And so as a busy, you know, mom entrepreneur now, like just, it's the same concept meal prep and it's, it ebbs and flows, like I said, in all seasons, but whenever I'm making something, so now specifically it is, I, I create a plan. Like I said, I like to have a plan. So typically I, on Fridays at the end of my work day, I will be like, okay, going into, cause weekends, typically when I do my grocery shopping, here's my meal plan. Look at our week, the next week I had like Wednesday night's church night. Okay. So it's gotta be quick and easy. Cause we've gotta be there by six 30, you know, Thursday night, Bella has dance. Brody has soccer this night, like looking at kids activities and knowing which, which nights I have nights to give a full 30 minutes to cooking and which nights we got to do something from the freezer, something quick, whatever it is. Um, and I do a meal plan according to that. And then I grocery shop according to that. And then whenever I do have that 30 minutes to actually make a meal, which is usually my Sunday nights and my Monday nights earlier in the week, I'm always double batching those meals. So I'm taking Sunday, double batching it, throwing that in the freezer either for later in the week or for the following week. And then during that week, I'm pulling from last Sunday. So always double batching. Whenever I'm cooking right now, I literally have a six pound pork butt on our Traeger smoking. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, awesome. You know, so it's like, I'm always cooking in bulk. I'm using big pieces of meat. This six pound pulled pork is going to get us through tonight, but then I'm also going to have a freezer stash for next week. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so key. Both a couple things to point out is first off, you're doing your prep for next week on Friday. So you're giving yourself plenty of time in advance to really have some perspective on what's going to be going on next week. And then you identify the specific challenges or the things that are going on in your calendar that will make it so that you actually have less time to prepare, therefore setting yourself up for success. Like, okay, I'm going to have 10 minutes to throw together something really quickly. What can I, what can I put together? Um, okay. I'm going to actually have 30 or 45 minutes this night. I can make this this night. So I think that's really helpful as well. So I want you to talk me through if somebody who is listening to this wants to lose anywhere between five, 10, maybe 15 pounds. And they're okay with, with not trying to lose it in two weeks. They're okay with doing it the right way over a few months. Obviously, depending on if it's five or 15, it's going to vary a little bit, but they're okay with losing it over a general period of time, but they don't want to count their macros. What are the, what's the way that you go about coaching somebody who doesn't necessarily want to count their macros to reliably and predictably lose body fat? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you so much for saying like it takes a certain amount of time because I do think that's probably the biggest contributing factor to like fitness results in general is knowing your time horizon. And then if you want to actually lose 10, 15 pounds of tissue, because you might be able to lose five, 10 pounds in a week, you know, a couple of days, a week, depending on how much body water you have and stuff. But like typically the quicker you lose, the quicker it comes back. So if you extend your time horizon a little bit, you can go about it a little bit slower. You're actually going to lose tissue and it is going to take some time if you theoretically wanted to gain that tissue back. It just doesn't come back overnight. So really important things. Thank you so much for touching on that. The cheat sheet way to lose body fat without having to count macros or even calories is you do the following. You start with eating lean protein at every single meal three, four meals a day, something like that. The number of meals doesn't really matter a whole lot. That's good news for people. You don't have to get bogged down in the details. Would you prefer to eat two meals a day? No big deal. They're just going to be bigger meals. Prefer to eat four meals a day? Doesn't really matter. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, like a snack somewhere in there. Pretty typical for most people. You don't have to, that means you don't have to fast and not eat. It means you don't have to eat eight times a day. You don't have to get super crazy with it. Anywhere in the middle is going to be mostly fine. Start your meals lean protein. Then probably your veggies. 
darker green veggies are phenomenal. You know, broccoli, spinach, asparagus, uh, you, know, you name it. There's tons of other ones. There's just first three that popped ahead, popped to the top of my, my, my head there. Um, you do that. You throw in maybe some healthy fats, just a little bit here and there. Healthy fats typically are, you know, nuts, avocados, olive oil. So those are all great sources. And then you can throw in some like fruits, right? Because those are carbs. And if you eat mostly just high nutritious foods like that, it is very hard to overeat on calories. So you're sort of taking that out of the equation by just focusing on higher quality foods. Like imagine eating an entire plate of grilled chicken breast and some white rice and some broccoli, you know, something like that. Man, you can fill up an entire plate and get lots of food volume and it's very filling. You're not going to be hungry for, you know, several hours versus, and let's just make up a number. Let's say that's 300 calories. We'll like go and pick up a Snickers bar and it's this big, right? It's not even that big. And that's 300 calories. So there you go. Like there's a good example of it because you eat that Snickers bar it doesn't really satisfy you that much. Of course, it tastes good in the moment. Of course, I'm not going to deny that part. But then you're hungry like 30, 60 minutes later, you ate a bunch of calories. And then the, the weird, the really trippy part is usually when you eat like kind of quote unquote junk food like that, you typically crave more of it. So it's like, it's just a really slippery slope. Whereas if you eat that big plate of healthy nutritious foods, you're more full longer and then you're not craving those foods. And it's just like a win-win all around. Mm. If somebody feels like they are eating pretty good or eating well enough and they maybe have lost some weight, but they have found themselves in a plateau and they feel like they're really struggling to lose that last five pounds, the last six pounds, the last seven pounds, whatever it is, whatever their goal is. I think first thing to note is that a lot of people think they should lose five or six or seven pounds when it's like, should is a hard thing to know whether or not like you actually need to lose the weight or not. So that's, I'm going to kind of put that aside for this conversation. Let's infer that losing five, six, seven pounds of body fat would be beneficial for this person. Are there any things that you, are any questions that you usually ask people that usually reveal what is preventing them from losing that five, six, seven pounds? Yeah, sure. So I think the, the tips that we started with are really great for people just getting started. And you will see results like that. But yes, you, you nailed it. Like you're, you're the man for mentioning a lot of this stuff. It makes my job a lot easier. That gets you started. You're going to plateau at some point. Once you begin to stall out, well, then you have to take things a little bit more seriously. And there's maybe a couple of different ways you can go about it. So let's say there's two options. One is you could just increase like your physical activity. You could add in, uh, if you're a step counter tracker person, you have a watch like that, add in like another thousand or 2000 steps a day. Like that's an easy way. And you're really not tracking calories at this point. So you don't have to obsess with those numbers. So that's one option. The other option would be, well, then you actually do start tracking and monitoring how much food you eat. Like there's going to be a point where you probably have to do that. I'm trying to think of maybe like a good analogy, but you know, like you start something, you can get away with just like doing really basic stuff at, at the beginning. But then like once you kind of hit that wall and whatever it is, right? You have to go to the next level if you want to keep improving. So hopefully this isn't a shock to most people listening. So start with the super basic stuff we already talked about. When that stalls out eventually, well, then you kind of move to the next level and like 